Well, howdy, folks. Welcome to Michael Perry's voicemail, episode number 129. When I was a kid, Halloween was a big deal. We lived way out in the country, so we didn't go trick-or-treating door-to-door. But we did have a big family reunion with aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. Everybody got all costumed up, and we dunked for apples. We played board games. We we kids got to stay up as late as we wanted, and and then I, we slept on the floor all over the floor. I remember being just as excited about our Halloween parties as I was for Christmas. And I recently had some old photographs scanned, and today I spent time looking back through some of those photos from those Halloween parties. You can see a handful of them along with the captions and the email that delivered this recording. The captions should give enough context, although I do not know how to convey how creepy my normally lovely Grandpa Peterson got at Halloween. He'd disappear and reappear several times a night, always as another horrifying homemade freak. One of my earliest and sweetest Halloween memories, even before we had the big family parties, was of my mom taking us kids from outbuilding to outbuilding on the farm, where behind each door would be a masked and costumed figure who never spoke costume would change slightly at each stop, but the build of the stranger in the costume did not change. And by the last building, you could hear the stranger breathing a little harder, as if he'd been running from building to building, which of course he had, because in time we figured out that it was dad. And over the last couple of decades, one of my most cherished memories as a parent myself, is setting up our own scary walk here on the farm for my own children and their cousins. I mentioned a lot of this in a piece from the book Million Billion, which goes, goes just like this. Come Halloween, one of my children composed a costume requiring eyeglasses. She approached me in my workroom over the garage and asked if I could spare a pair, which in fact I could, as I buy cheaters in bulk and distribute them generally and vastly around the acreage. They are cheap in terms of both dollars and quality, and therefore when she asked if I could pop the lenses out to prevent her getting blurry headaches, I could, and easily did. At risk of incurring disfavor, I will admit I have lost the Halloween buzz. The last time I really got into it was about eight years ago when I went to the family party dressed as the International Harvester logo, an esoteric choice, but much appreciated in the environs of my raising. I had to turn sideways to fit my H through the door, and before eating Sloppy Joe's, had to remove the dot from the eye as it was a spray-painted box enclosing my cranium. Nowadays, I mostly just dig a wig and a witch hat out of the orange plastic tubs containing our all Hallows' Eve accoutrements, and call it good. Mainly I do it for the children, and then they do things for me, like deviate from the high-density trick-or-treat route in town in order to drop in on our octogenarian neighbor Tom. My ulterior motive here was to get a picture of him with my children, one of them taller than he now, and possibly making her final Halloween stop. I understand their desire to get to town where more houses are lit than not and the pickings are rich, especially at the taverns where they tend to hand out big honking candy bars. 
Among my favorite father memories, I count the times I trailed down the sidewalk with all the other parents as we sent our costumed tiny tots one after the other into the saloons. There's a certain roughneck looseness to small-town life that, in a world of antiseptic wipes and nice clean soccer shorts, can be exhilarating. Up north at my parents' farm, where the address is remote and there are few doors to knock upon, we again this year set up a self-contained scary walk in which the kids trailed from barn to shed and so on and were offered treats by vaguely familiar ghouls. I know it's you, Uncle John, they say, their high-pitched giggles betraying uncertainty nonetheless. I myself spent quite a lot of time shivering in the milk house before they finally arrived. I scared them by rattling the lids on the bulk tank. Now the costumes are packed in the tubs again. The austere, bony part of autumn is here, and there have been a couple of decent snows. My wife asked that I replace the screen door on the porch and with the solid wooden one. I did it right away for a change. I had a little struggle getting the screws and hinges lined up. Grabbed a pair of those cheap reading glasses off the kitchen counter, but they didn't help much, and it was only after much squinting and head-tipping that I got the thing hung. Wore those glasses a good 15 minutes before I took them off and realized they didn't have any lenses in them. So I, I wrote that piece five years ago. And over time, we kids, I speak of my generation of kids, we, we grew up and, and the big family Halloween party kind of dissipated. And then we had kids of our own and we revived it. And now we're back at one of those generational points where the cycles of time and circumstance and geography have, have many of us scattered again. My own little family of four will by chance be in four different places this Halloween. Uh, it's okay, it's all good, but I'll be here alone at home. Probably writing in my little room above the garage here. But a couple of weeks ago, I got a text from my sister-in-law asking if I could lend her the masks we used for the different characters we created for our version of the scary walk that my dad invented all those years ago. One of my nieces wants to carry on the tradition up north. And what I feel is not sadness that I'll be alone this Halloween, but gratitude for memories that last a lifetime and lead the younger generations to generate memories of their own. Happy Halloween. And as always, I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm just going to say what we always say from up north there. Well, I suppose, forward.